0: You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. We are beginning in verse 24. Colossians 1, 24. And we're reading through the 15th verse of chapter 2. This is God's Word. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the Word of God fully known. The mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding And have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well-ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, being rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh. In the circumcision of Christ... When you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. The Apostle Paul begins in this section by saying, I rejoice in my sufferings for you. To our ears, that sounds odd. I rejoice in my sufferings. Paul said that he was praising the Lord, rejoicing in his sufferings for the Colossians because He's completing in his flesh what's lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church. Is he saying that Jesus didn't suffer enough? No, he's saying that in order to be conformed to the likeness of Christ, see Philippians chapter 3, one of the things that has to happen is for us to suffer. When we looked at the epistles of Peter, we saw the importance of suffering in our becoming what we are supposed to be. No, I, I don't like to suffer. Well, my flesh doesn't like to suffer either, but I need to change my mindset and understand that when God allows suffering in my life, it is for a good purpose. And so when I suffer, I need to rejoice Because nothing comes into my life without passing through God first. And so, he says there is in him a lack of Christ's suffering that needs to be filled up. And so when he is suffering on behalf of the believers in Colossae, he says, I rejoice. I rejoice because God is at work in that. I have become the servant of the body, according to God's commission that was given to me for you, in order to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. Don't forget who the saints are. That's those of us who are in Christ Jesus. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is... Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now remember over in chapter 2, verse 2, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery. There's that term again. Christ. In Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So the mystery that has Long been waiting to be revealed that people in previous generations didn't get to see and understand. They had little glimpses. They had little hints. But they didn't get the full picture. Now that Jesus has come, the glory of God has been revealed in its fullness. Remember what we read in the previous section of this letter to Colossi, And that is that in Christ God has been pleased to have all his fullness dwell. Jesus is the exact representation of the fullness of God's glory. And it's not just in Christ, but because we are in Christ, it is Christ in you. God's intention was not just in Jesus as a physical man, to display his glory, but in us, the bride of Christ, to display his glory. That's hard for me to grasp and hold on to because I see such a difference between myself and the Lord Jesus in the pages of Scripture. And I don't just mean that I've never successfully walked on water. I mean that Jesus' nature is absolutely sinless. His conduct is love incarnate. And so when I look at myself, I see a significant shortfall. I'm not there yet. Well, the Apostle Paul says he wasn't there yet either. One of the things that was needed in order for him to get there was suffering. And so as he went through suffering and learned to rejoice in it, he was being conformed to the likeness of Christ. Paul says "I want to, in Philippians, I want to know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, even being made conformable to his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection. Is that your ambition? If somebody said, I want you to make a list of five things that you want to see happen in your life, you're wanting to see this when you look toward the future. Does being conformed to the likeness of Christ even make the list? When you get specific about being conformed to the likeness of Christ, do you include the fact that you want to share in his sufferings? I'll tell you one of the things that we all dread is rejection. What is it that keeps people from sharing the gospel with folks? Fear of rejection. I'm afraid that they'll they'll not respond well. You know what? What? Speaking from experience and from the scriptures, I can tell you it is very likely that a lot of the people you try and share the gospel with will not respond positively. Now some of them will actually get saved later. I was sharing with some of the students here that um, there have been a number of people who have come back to me years later and said, you know, I just want to apologize for the way that I responded when you tried to share the gospel with me, etc., and you know, I, I was really mean to you, and I'm so sorry. And I'm thinking I don't really remember your being mean. Because after a while, you begin to get calluses. <laughs> I'll just tell you something. You're going to have to suffer rejection if you want to be a faithful ambassador of Jesus Christ. If you want to be conformed to his likeness, you're going to have to be prepared to live a life that not everyone will applaud. Some people will say, oh, what a wonderful thing. But some people will say, you're an idiot. You're obnoxious. Don't talk to me about your God. The Apostle Paul says, the mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations is now revealed in his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. How is Christ going to be displayed in this world? Through his people. We're the ones who are his ambassadors. We're making the appeal, inviting people to trust in him and to receive the grace that we have received. And so verse 28 of chapter 1, We proclaim Him. We don't proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The goal is not just that people would get forgiven. The goal is that they would be discipled and become mature in Christ. I labor for this, he says, striving with His strength that works powerfully in me. I want you to know how greatly I'm struggling for you. Pastor Wood, I thought Jesus paid it all. Jesus did pay it all. When he hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. There isn't something lacking in him. But if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, there is some stuff that needs to happen in you. And it will involve struggle. It will not come automatically. It will not come without your cooperation. He says, I want you to know how greatly I'm struggling for you, for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What's the most important thing you could learn? Christ, getting to know him. Everything else is secondary at best. I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. Have you ever heard something that sounded pretty good, made sense, but it turned out to be utterly false? Have you ever heard an argument that was based on a false premise? Okay, well, we all know this, and because of that, this, 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 this. Always check and see if we all know this is a true statement. Because the fact of the matter is a lot of the arguments that are made, a lot of the philosophy that is promoted turns out to be grounded in falsehood rather than the truth. It sounds reasonable, but it's not. It's based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, verse 8 rather than Christ. Any argument that leaves God out of the picture is phony. Any philosophy that excludes the divine is bogus. Most Americans have grown up in an educational system that by design leaves out the designer. And we are encouraged, even evangelicals, to have a mindset that basically tries to work everything out without reference to God or His Word. When you do that, you are inevitably following an empty philosophy. Something based on human traditions. A lot of people in our country right now are trying to figure out Why is there all this violence? Why is there all this hatred? Why is there so much despair and depression? Why are so many young people doing things that are self-destructive? Why are so many older people doing things that are self-destructive? Let me just ask you a question. If all you are is the chance result of time and random occurrence... If you're just a piece of highly evolved slime and the person sitting next to you is just a piece of highly evolved slime, then what does it matter? How are you possibly going to have purpose in life? I mean, it's just an invention. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. Whether you become a serial killer or a philanthropist, or make a peanut butter sandwich. It all amounts to the same thing. doesn't matter at all. The people who believe that and teach that have a very hard time living that way. They can't be logically consistent. I had the famed ethicist Peter Singer, who holds the Endowed Chair of Ethics at Princeton University, come on my radio program sometime back. And it was just amazing. I was really concerned ahead of time and prayed fervently. I was really concerned that he was going to be tough. He was flailing about. Because when pressed, he has nowhere to stand. His argument is based on nothing. Nothing. He wrote, and for you younger people it probably won't mean anything because what's an encyclopedia? But he wrote the Encyclopedia Britannica section on ethics. He's considered so great an ethicist. He has no basis for his ethics. And he doesn't live by his own professed ethics. Why? because it doesn't hold up let me tell you something if you leave Christ out all you've got is human tradition that's all you've got left say no we're going to reject human tradition and establish new innovative ideas every new innovative idea is a recycled old human tradition. Those who study history and the history of philosophy will find that, oh, they were saying that actually B.C. So, the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You have been filled by him. You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands, but putting off the body of flesh, but in the circumcision of Christ when you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. In Christ Jesus, you have not just forgiveness, but new life. Everything we need is in Christ and He has accomplished our salvation through His death, burial, and resurrection. Our goal needs to be to get to know Him and be conformed to His likeness. And what baptism does is it provides a picture of our union with Him. Death, burial, and resurrection. It's not the washing with water that saves us. It is what Jesus did for us that is pictured in his death, burial, and resurrection in baptism. So, he erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us, and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Have you sinned? Yes. Do you deserve God's wrath? Yes. What am I going to do to pay that debt? You don't have to. It's been nailed to the cross. The debt is paid in full. It is paid in full. It is paid in full. You can't add to that. That's why I'm saying Paul wasn't suggesting that somehow he was suffering some more because Jesus hadn't suffered enough. We need to be conformed to the likeness of Christ But Jesus' accomplishment on the cross was perfect. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him, in Christ. Everything that needed to be done was done. Now he wants to work that through you. He wants to demonstrate that through you. Well, that sounds like it might involve a cross. No. It will involve a cross. It will involve your union with Christ, dying to the old life and experiencing the resurrection life. But you're not left to do it on your own. You're not given a set of instructions and told, follow this map, And I'll see you on the other side. He comes to live his life through us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the plan. That's the good news. Please understand, his plan for you is not you following instructions on your own. It's you surrendering your life to him day by day, moment by moment, and Him living His life in His power through you. Paul said, I labor for this, striving with His strength that works powerfully in me. Was Paul a perfect man? No, but he was becoming more like Jesus. And you and I are called to follow Him as he follows Christ you and I can rest in the fact that the risen Lord Jesus Christ is at work in His people, making us like Jesus, including leading us through suffering and perfecting us through suffering. And one day, every tear will be wiped away, and all will be well in Him.